Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Be Your Own Bank podcast. It's everybody's favorite time of the week, the weekly roundup. Thanks for tuning back in. This week, we're going to start with the greatest thing that has happened since I've ever watched TV, the Super Bowl. Ah, yes. The best Super Bowl I've ever seen. Hands down the best. I mean, it had everything. And the football was good, too. Yeah, that was fine. I'm really just excited about the commercials. Oh, man. I mean, number one has to be Coinbase. Coinbase for sure. Best commercial out They there. killed it. Yep. They killed it. And it was so, so simple. I mean, that was it, right? Is that every other commercial is in your face. It's like sensory overload. It's like star power, like everything where you're just, they're just like begging for your attention. And uh, I'm sure you guys all saw it. But if you didn't, then what it was was just like the old DVD screensaver, you know, with the thing bouncing around the sides. And it was 60 seconds long. Yeah, just a QR code that had no label on the on the commercial whatsoever. No. And um, one of my social influencers that I follow put it so well. He said, basically, Coinbase was just playing to the fact that everybody takes in social media in multiple ways. We're not just glued to the TV watching. We're also on our phones, on our computers, on our tablets. And so they played to that. And they played to it perfectly because... We're looking at this QR code. We're getting that nostalgia of, you know, the old DVD times and waiting for it to hit the whatever corner, right? Because right? that's that's such a huge, <laughs> exciting OCD thing, whatever. Um, but yeah, of course, we're going to be curious. So we pull out our phones to scan the code. And what do you know? It's a link to Coinbase. Well, even before that, like even if you didn't scan the code, it, you... Th- at the end of this 60 seconds, it just flashes just the Coinbase, you know, name. And it's like, I lost my shit. I was like, oh my God, this mm-hmm. is so brilliant. And, you know, the thing about it too, that people, most people didn't realize was the song that was playing at the beginning. Yeah, I had no idea. Was called Money, right? So the lyrics go, the best things in life are free, but you can give it to the birds and bees. I want money. It's that song from like the early 80s. And I was like, I recognize that song. But what they did was they just sampled the first part of the song and then they like in the, in like an eight bit format. So it was just this really just perfectly conceptualized commercial that was so simple. And then the song like evolves throughout the 60 seconds, which, by the way, is 14 million dollars of ad spend that Coinbase, you know, invested in this commercial. Right. Because most people just pay for what, 30 seconds, 15 seconds. Well, they saved their whole budget by only needing a QR code. I'm sure it couldn't have cost much money to make the ad itself. They could just pay for the time slot. And I mean, everybody in the room stopped what they were doing and turned and watched that because they're like, what is going on here? Like, yeah, crashed their server. So many people scanned the code. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred million people scanned the code. Amazing. (laughs) They crashed their website. Yeah. So that's why it was so brilliant was that it was just this, you know, man, just such a smart play because it was so simple and it was so, you know, meaningful in the sense of like, we're going to do something different, right? And we're going to make it easy. And we understand what you want. You want money. We get that. So come get some money. And if you follow the QR code and it worked, then you could either, if you hadn't signed up for Coinbase, you could get $15 in Bitcoin if you sign up. Or you could sign up for like, it was like a sweepstakes or... Yeah, it was a sweepstakes for a chance to win $3 million in Bitcoin, I yeah, believe. Yeah. So, so either way, win-win. Yeah. $14 million is nothing compared to what they were able... Yeah, you know, I'm sure they made that back in a couple of days with people signing up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And so, it's just that recognition that 
that that we need. I mean, we're moving from back in the day where it's just like a grassroots movement of who you knew. You talk to them and be like, hey, you've heard this Bitcoin. Well, I yeah. don't know. You talk to a few more people, hear it on the news maybe. Yeah. And then you decide to do some research, invest. But now we have these huge corporations that are backing this decentralized project yep. and they're able to move more information to a wider array, a variety of people faster. Well, and it's also consuming, right? What is the Super Bowl other than consumption? We're consuming sports, we're consuming food, we're consuming, you know, friendship, whatever it is, you know, we're consume, consume, consume. So this is just the next logical step mm -hmm. of advertising. So now we're able to advertise for this new product. And then once you actually learn about it, you go, oh, wait, this is much different than I thought, you know? So, but I do also want to talk about the the other two crypto commercials. So there was four total, three crypto specific commercials, and then one that mentioned crypto. So four total, which is great. Yeah. Um, I think the LeBron one for crypto.com fell really flat. You know, I think that was, they had just, it was just him talking to his younger self and it was like just bad CGI and it was... Yeah, it, it it looked like they spent a lot of money on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure they did, not to mention the, the advertising bucks, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just, it was flat. I just, I didn't, it didn't sit with me and it just wasn't good. Yeah. But the one that was great, I thought, was the Larry David one. Um, you know, I would say commercial-wise, that was my favorite, but definitely Coinbase knocked out of the park. Mm -hmm. But the Larry David one for FTX was just him playing these characters throughout history who was, you know, cause he's the lovable curmudgeon and he's, you know, naysaying all of these things that we now take for granted, like the wheel, electricity, the light bulb yeah. and uh, the toilet, the toilet, you know, just all of these, the coffee, you know, all of these things throughout history that we're like, you know, we're like, Oh yeah, that's an easy choice. It's and, commonplace. And then at the end of the commercial, it's him at his desk and the guy's like, Oh, it's FTX. It's easy to get into crypto. And he says, uh, I don't think so. And I've never been wrong before. Right, right. And so it's just this really great, because it is, that's all we're saying is this is the evolution of money. This is the future, right? This and is the future. When the internet first came out, there were a lot of non-believers. Yep. And now everybody uses it every day. Every day, multiple hours. Yeah. Yeah. So really cool. I mean, I really, man, it was just really great to see commercials now you know like we're in the mainstream we've made it mm -hmm. to the super bowl mm -hmm. now we're just waiting on those regulations and then yeah. the institutional investing you know the only thing that fell flat on super bowl day was the foo fighters did a concert a metaverse concert mm, after right. the super bowl did you hear about it i did i didn't attend because i hadn't i didn't get my vr headset till later oh you didn't have your oculus yet didn't have it okay yet, no. so oh sorry metaquest metaquest so I attempted to get into the Foo Fighters concert. Basically, it was just a venue platform where in the metaverse where you show up and you become your avatar and then you're supposed to get into this concert and then it's supposed to be this immersive experience. Like it seemed really cool. It seemed like a great idea. There was I was in the waiting room with like probably 10 other people, all of our avatars and and, uh, we, you know, you see the marquee and it says Foo Fighters and you're like, oh, great. And you try to, it's that same thing where you like hit the wall in a video game and you're just kind of like, <laughs> just like running up against, running the up wall. against it. And so nobody was getting in and it said, you could see that there were 60,000 people who signed up for this and it was not working. And so it was just, it was super frustrating. I mean, 
Did anyone actually get in? Did they perform? I don't know. I mean, they, yes, they did perform. Yeah. So you, I, I believe you can go back and watch. I know you can watch it on YouTube, but it's not like the immersive experience. I'll have to look into if you can actually like revisit it. Mm. But uh, I come to find out that after the fact and everybody was, you know, shitting on it. And it was just like, I think like 13,000 people made it in. So out of the 60 that were trying to get in right. who had signed up for it, which I was one of those. You well, know? and I mean, there's, it's virtual. So there's no like assigned seating. Right. You should all, everybody should be able to get in there. I don't understand why, but you yeah. know, to its credit, I will give uh, the silver lining of the metaverse Foo Fighters concert that I wasn't able to get into. You got a free t-shirt. Is, no, 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 not that. <laughs> Is that, you know, somebody's got to start it, right? Somebody has to envision it. Somebody has to market it. Somebody has to say, hey, we're going to try this. Mm-hmm. You know, so 13,000 people on paper got to enjoy this experience and got to be a part of one of the first concerts in the metaverse. Right? Yeah, that's a pretty cool thing to say. I think it is. I, you know, and, and you're going to fall flat on your feet and it's still new technology. And it is this thing of like, you know, well, it should work. Well, they're Facebook. They're a billion dollar company. And all this is like, yeah, but who else is doing it? Nobody. Right. You know, and then the other thing I will say, the other positive was these like 10 people and we'd all had, you know, a couple drinks. I could see um, some of the other avatars who were, you know, kind of slurring their words and things. Stumbling about. Me, me included. <laughs> um, and we were just, we were getting along and we were kind of, we were all experiencing this, this Waiting heartbreak. <laughs> yeah. At the same time yeah. as avatars. And it didn't, and we were kind of building these, you know, relationships, these short, short relationships, but it was forming a union. It was funny, you know, and I could test out my jokes on them and see if they worked. None of them did, but someday, um, it was just fun. It was, it was fun. I wish I would have gotten to see the concert, but I'm, I'm happy with where things are going and I'm, I, I'm optimistic at what we can do in this metaverse, which makes me more excited to see how Warner music's going to do either an Adele or Snoop Dogg concert. Yes. In sandbox, see if that's even better. I love it. Maybe they'll learn from the Foo Fighters. They should. Um, next up, we want to talk about Warren Buffett. He's one of the most outspoken critics of crypto, um, especially being so wealthy. He has yeah. a lot of clout in the investing community with Berkshire Hathaway being so successful. Um, he just invested a billion dollars, his company, a billion dollars in a bank. Brazilian bank called New Bank, NU Bank, um, and they offer Bitcoin ETFs. Of course they do. So basically, by proxy, he's investing in Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, but he gets to have the plausible deniability of, well, I'm not investing in Bitcoin. I, I still don't have to backtrack that statement. Right. You know? Is that he's he didn't lie about hating Bitcoin and mm-hmm. never wanting to invest in Bitcoin, but. He, uh, he kind of just did that to the tune of a billion dollars. Billion dollars in this company. Well, and what did he sell uh, on oh, the stock market? Yeah, that's right. He <laughs> sold Visa and MasterCard shares. Interesting. Berkshire Hathaway sold what a, cumulatively $3 billion worth of Visa and MasterCard shares. What do Visa and MasterCard do? Like, I've never heard of them. Yeah, they, they do this. Uh, they settle transactions, okay. verify transactions. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Transfer value. Wow. Yeah, between people, institutions. So you're saying that they sold the thing that does the same thing that they just invested in, but the thing they just invested in is more efficient, 
and he can also pretend like he didn't just invest in it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. So I, I, either way, I think it's a big move. <laughs> rich people getting rich. Yeah. It's a big move and it just shows the validity of this technology. Well, and the fact that there's no accountability on the other side. No. <laughs> I mean, he's called, he's called Bitcoin rat poison. Yep. Yep. Oh, and his, his, uh, his buddy, Charlie Munger, the 97 year old Buffett's like 91 or something. Still and his partner or whatever at Berkshire has, you know, called it a venereal disease and all this stuff. Mm, and it's just like, right. ugh, ugh, go away. That's what I would say. <laughs> Use your platform for something else. Sure. But invest your money in it. I'm fine with that. Right. <laughs> um, and then finally, we have to talk about the SEC again. They're back in the news. Um, and this actually applies to us specifically, yeah. as well as some of you out there, um, especially those who have taken our non-investing advice to open <laughs> BlockFi, Celsius, Nexo, specifically BlockFi and Nexo accounts. So BlockFi just got sued by the SEC um, for $100 million. They're just going to pay it. Um, they're trying to be above board, do what they need to do. They're not denying anything. Basically, the SEC said that their interest account is a security and they didn't properly register it. Yeah. And so once again, security, when we say security, there's a benchmark for how the SEC, you know, defines a security. Right. And this benchmark was discerned in 1933. It's called the Howey test and it has four pillars if, if a, you know, entity fulfills those four pillars, it's a security. So that is an investment of money in a common enterprise with the expectation of profit to be derived from the efforts of others. You take those four, you apply it to a BlockFi interest account, easily checks all four of those. So what BlockFi interest account is, is a contract basically that says, here, put your money on our platform. We will promise you an interest rate in return for the use of your assets we will take those assets. We will loan those assets out to institutions or individuals at certain interest rates, and you will be the beneficiary of payment in crypto as interest for your assets. Right. So you're investing money. They're the common enterprise. You do expect profit. Yep. And without BlockFi, it wouldn't be possible. So that's the effort of others. Um, now, that being said, if you do have money in one of those interest accounts currently you were sort of grandfathered in. So any new money won't gain interest right now. You can always store it with BlockFi. There's no problem with that. You're not going to lose your money. Right. So the the thing that I learned, and I did some digging on this and actually spoke with, with Nexo's support, but with BlockFi, basically, if you have an interest account and you have a wallet account. So your interest account, if it's already in your interest account, the money, then don't touch it. Because it's still earning interest, but the minute you move it into your wallet account, you're done. You can't move it back in. But that that being said, it's like as long as you don't use that, then you can wait until there's a solution potentially. But reform. Our our research has said right now Celsius is still offering. Uh, I don't believe they're located in the United States. I believe they're a uh, British company. Okay. Yeah. So they might not be, but... But they still have to play by our rules true. if they're offering um, investment accounts to American citizens. Yeah. So with Nexo specifically, which is our favorite, 
Um, if you have your money in an interest account on Nexo, you will still earn interest in the coin that you, you know, that is in the interest account. So you'll still earn interest. It's compounded interest. If you use their exchange and you exchange one token for another, you will still get interest on both of those. The minute you move it out of Nexo or move it into Nexo, then there's no interest. And if you decide to take out a loan from Nexo, if you put your interest account money into your loan account, then you can't put it back into your interest account. You're essentially withdrawing it from yes. your interest account. So anytime the money comes out of your interest account, it can't go back in and get more interest. Correct. For now. For now. And with the SEC and BlockFi, we also have to talk about the SEC and Ripple. We've talked about this. They're in an ongoing um, lawsuit, basically. SEC has been suing Ripple for the past year or so, over a year, yep. um, because they're claiming that Ripple is a security. Now, a lot of other cryptocurrencies have been under the scrutiny, but have passed the Howey test, meaning that they they didn't check all four boxes. Yeah. Um, and so they're not considered security, so they don't have the same rules. Like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Ethereum. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's important to talk about Ripple because... The SEC isn't winning this case right now. No. They're not winning, and it makes sense that they're going after other low-hanging fruit like BlockFi yep. because they need to make a make a point. Now, before we get more into the lawsuit, I think we have to explain what Ripple really is. Um, and I think Ripple did a bad job of branding a yeah, little bit because it's it's a bit convoluted. So simply put, Ripple is a company as well as a cryptocurrency. So Ripple, the company, Ripple Labs, yep. is centralized. They control the releasing of a lot of new Ripple, the cryptocurrency, and they also create platforms for institutions to transact money. Basically, their whole job is to disrupt the, the financial industry of swapping money from one institution to another in a different country. Let's yeah, say. they're the blockchain Western Union. That's why they've partnered with them. So they're right. transactions, three to five seconds, settle time. It's really inexpensive. So that's the that's the process of the business. Right. And then the cryptocurrency XRP, which is also called Ripple, is the that's why it's the problem is because they're both called the same thing, but they're different. They're different. And I think it's important to note that they're different because if we just look at Ripple, the company, for sure it checks all four boxes. The existence right. of an investment contract, the formation of a common enterprise, a promise of profits to issuers, the use of third parties to promote the offering. They're 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 all of those things. Yep. Um, but if you look at Ripple, the cryptocurrency itself, doesn't require a third party to promote it. Yep. Um it isn't necessarily an investment contract because it wasn't designed for that. It was just designed as a vehicle to transfer money from one place to another yep. and then be easily swapped into whatever fiat currency. And it's open source. It's open source. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so I think that's what they're trying to help the SEC see is, sure, Ripple, the company, you know, it's it's centralized, um, but without the company, if 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 a Ripple Labs didn't exist, yep. Ripple the cryptocurrency would still function. Correct. Um, That's and, the main distinction. And that was their main argument: is yeah. that 
you know, it isn't a central authority isn't necessary to maintain the integrity and value of Ripple. Right. Um, and now they're going a step further and saying that um, there never even was an investment contract that they had planned, you know, eight years ago to make sure that their business model was such so that it, it wouldn't be scrutinized by the SEC, although they knew it could be, they knew there was risk, um, but they wanted to make sure that Ripple, the cryptocurrency, wasn't a security. So there's three options, right? The three options are the SEC beats Ripple in this lawsuit, and if they do, Ripple says, peace out, we gone, because they're in San Francisco right now, Ripple Labs, we gone, we're going to go invest in another country, which is bad for innovation for the US, right? So that's probably the worst case scenario, I would say. Then the other scenario is Ripple wins, and now the government's butthurt about losing this, and so they're going to attack more of those BlockFi's, probably, and that's going to also stifle innovation and not focus on the technology which they should be regulating. And then option three, which I believe is the best option, is a settlement. Because if, if they settle with Ripple, then Ripple goes, okay, well, at least we didn't lose. And so now they can still do business in the United States. They can still you know, invest in technology that's crypto related and other cryptocurrencies can continue and maintain in the United States. And they can partner like Coinbase is partnering with the SEC and, and the Congress and, and trying, to, trying to work on regulation that is applicable for all people, all, all companies and the government. And so I think that settlement is going to be the best case scenario for this situation to you know, continue on. And then BlockFi and Nexo and all those guys will finally get the regulation to be able to offer these services correctly. And then everybody pays their piece. The government makes more money. It's just- It's a win-win. It's a win-win. So that's the hope. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, it, that is It's a, a bit convoluted, um, but we'll keep you updated on the Ripple lawsuit, where it's going, what's new developing as weeks go by. Um, but yeah, that's it for the for the weekly roundup. Okay, boys and girls, let's take a look at those charts. All right, let's take a look at Bitcoin. Right now we're just above 40,000, literally $3 above. Um, you can see if we zoom in here, we've got our resistance line. We've come up and touched that at 44. We did that twice. We came back, bounced off the 50-day moving average. Now we're back down slightly below. Hopefully we can close above the 50-day moving average. If we do close the week below, uh, could be a sign for more downside action. If this inverted head and shoulders does play out, that would be a best case scenario. And then we'd be heading up close to 50K right around the 200-day moving average. Once we get past that 200-day moving average, then I'm going to be a lot more bullish. I think another thing to look at um, bullish-wise is we have our previous death cross here in June of 21. And roughly three months later in September of 21, we had our golden cross. So if we play that same game here with our death cross, death cross in January, likely golden cross could show up around April. I think we either chop here for a bit and then make our decisive move up or the other not so bad scenario would be a quick move down to 30, 25 
and then a shoot up. So if we get a move down with some volume, then we're going to see a lot more buyers. I really do feel like 25 is going to be our bottom, but who knows? That's why crypto is so much fun. Let's move into our weekly chart. Uh, as you can see here, we've got a bounce off of the 100 day moving average. If we can maintain the 100 day moving average, you'll see I've got, I've elongated this kind of guesstimated. Um, if we can just kind of roll along this for a few months and build up some momentum, then we could shoot up. Uh, if this 100 day moving average does get compromised, then that 25 is highly likely. Patience, once again, patience, patience is a key. All right, let's go into our dollar cost averaging. First, we've got Ripple. You can see this bull flag has been forming for the last year. Now we're getting close to the end of the bull flag, which coincides with that April area, which I hope will be our bull move. You can also see this bullish pennant inside the bullish pennant, which is close to the resistance. If this breaks out, then the bigger pennant breaks out and we could see a pretty substantial move from Ripple. Next, we have Quantum. We had a double bottom over here and then that moved up. Now it looks like we could have another double bottom here and start moving up again. It's just under $7 right now. Last peak was over 35. And lastly is Chainlink. Chainlink is close to the bottom here as well. It's been grinding for quite some time and I think it's a value at $15 right now. That's it for the charts, gang. We are the Bit Bros. Remember, we are not licensed financial advisors. All content is intended for educational purposes only. Please do your own research and only risk what you're willing to lose. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Please remember to like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. We appreciate that very much. And also, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 